Hello, everybody, and welcome back to A Matter of Personal Taste, a Tales from the Crypt podcast. Thank you, as always, for joining us again. I am your co-host, Andy Foreman, and I am sitting here with my co-host. The dashing Martin Fisher. <laughs> dashing this week. We both I'm, have a lot of energy. <laughs> I'm feeling it today, man. Yeah, me too. It's after last week, I think we're both reinvigorated with a with a fun episode. <laughs> yeah, this is probably the best one they could have come back with after the last one. Exactly. And this one that we're talking about this week is Lover Come Hack to Me. Great which title. with a title like that, come on. <laughs> <laughs> worth it for the title alone. This is uh this is one of my earliest memories of Tales from the Crypt because this one uh as everyone knows Tales from the Crypt was a big introduction to more adult series mm-hmm. for me. So this one had a little bit of everything. It had a little bit of violence, it had a little bit of, bit of TNA. So oh, yeah. this was one of the first ones I watched and man it holds up. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 a really enjoyable one, and it's funny because um, looking at the comic, it was uh, it took inspiration from. Um, it's interesting because it shares some parallels to the last one we talked about, in that like the art for this p- specific story isn't as memorable, I think. Mm-hmm. But what it did was it just told a really interesting story. So the episode was able to just be like, okay, fuck it, we're gonna do our own thing, basically, take the idea, adapt the hell out of it, and insert more humor into the story a bit more right it, they, they were giving they were given a very basic story and did it just knocked it out of the park in my opinion right the premise is there but the style is totally different yeah. but i think it because and we were just talking about this before we started recording because tom holland's style is a little bit more comic booky it's a little bit more like a graphic novel i think just the fact that the legendary tom holland <laughs> was directing this episode kind of keeps that comic book quality yeah and it's it's a quality that i think fits this narrative particular because it's such a silly concept (laughs) but it's so damn fun yeah i mean that's the whole thing about this episode is that i think it kind of it gets the energy of the series very well is that you know you have your gore you got your tna you got your moments of drama and you've got like the these over-the-top just gory moments and there's a lot of humor thrown into it too like situational humor in this episode and i think it it works so well mm-hmm. and i mean part of that is of course the performances because amanda Plummer, great great episode great job she does in this episode just fantastic she's perfect for this kind of role yeah and i saw her in this before i saw pulp fiction so really? yes because again i was in like fifth grade sixth grade when i first discovered tales from the crypt and tarantino i didn't discover until freshman year of high school when django unchained came out Mm -hmm. so i had really no idea what pulp fiction even was beyond just being aware of the name so this was my first introduction to amanda Plummer, and she is perfect for this role because she is so dedicated to it in the same way (laughs) when you see her in those scenes in Pulp Fiction and she's just reaches levels of mania that (laughs) a lot of actors would be afraid to go to she it it really really she sells this idea of just this meek and then insane wife yeah oh my god she does that so well and I think you know any I feel like any actor would feel cautious about a a character where by the end of it they're swinging a giant battle axe around and selling it well 
mm-hmm. but Amanda Plummer just went for it. And uh, I admire that so much. She did such a great job in this episode. A, a big thing about this episode that I noticed, mm-hmm. and this speaks to both the performances and the tone, is that, and I'm sure those of us that are more unfamiliar with the anthology format would kind of blend these two together, but I do think there are distinct differences and between Tales from the Crypt and Creepshow. Mm-hmm. And there are certain Tales from the Crypt episodes that do not feel like Creepshow at all. But I feel like had Creepshow 3 been made in the early 90s, you could have fit this episode in there as one of the segments and it would have worked perfectly. It really feels Creepshow-esque without, you know, except it doesn't have the comic book panels. Right, yeah. This is one of those episodes that you could totally take from this series and just edit it into a Creepshow format. Mm -hmm. And it would totally fit. Um, It has enough of the... uh, It has it's got a bit more comedy than I think Creepshow was really going for a lot of the time, but it does have a lot more of the heavy gore and the tone I think fits perfectly. Yes. And I think while we're on the subject of tone, I think we have to bring up the other main actor that's in this episode, who oh. is Stephen Shellen. Stephen Shellen, yeah. Yes. And I love that they just got like Mr. Fabio to be, right. to be the douchebag husband. Yeah. It's, so great because you see him coming from a mile away Mm -hmm. and that really benefits the just desserts endings of tales from the crypt and creep show and you know tales from the dark side and all these ec inspired shows and i think in any other narrative form telegraphing it from that far away would be ridiculous Mm -hmm. but because this is only 30 minutes and because this is a comic book and because it's tales from the crypt the fact that he just starts off as mr douchebag is hilarious and awesome oh yeah absolutely and i think um because he has that kind of a character to work with where it's so obvious who he is Mm -hmm. uh shellen really is able to kind of work with that and be just the best douchebag you could be and be hilarious at the same time because there's so much of his character that I think a lot of the comedy of the episode comes from his character. Right. Just the way he he handles himself, the way he speaks, it's just, it works so well together. Mm-hmm. And what's great about it is the original comic story, again, mm-hmm. we compare both the comics and the episodes on this show. The, the original comic book story is more like an old radio play yeah. where the guy the male protagonist is mostly just Mr. Steak and Milk from 1950. You know? <laughs> yeah. Like, and, he, and he's just like, come on, doll. Like, we'll go investigate the haunted house. And it, it's just, <laughs> he's just, you know, he's in his suit and he's in his dress shoes and he's probably smoking a pack of cigarettes on that car ride up there. And right. there's not much to him. He's just, again, he's just Mr. 1950s man. Like, mm-hmm. leave it to Beaver Dad. But, <laughs> With the way they kind of change it up in this one to just have like the polar opposites of like meek Amanda Plummer mm-hmm. and then again Mr. Fabio douchebag <laughs> is awesome and again that's no criticism of the actor himself the haircut is Fabio's no I'm yeah sure absolutely that's exactly what they were going for I'm sure it's popular at the time 30 years later <laughs> 30 years later you're like wow I can't believe people did that to themselves exactly i can't believe people bought paperback novels because someone had this haircut right (laughs) Um, oh man 
but I, I think those polar opposites really do benefit the narrative. No, definitely. Um, and I, I think that's what makes the episode feel so energetic is that this, this story should feel, I think, probably a little bit old school and a little dragged out. But what helps it so much is that you have these two polar opposite personalities keeping it going. And then you have the great flashback scene where Shellen sees what happens to his wife's uh, mother and father, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's such a great twist and it's great that you brought up the runtime because again i was watching this last night just to prepare for this episode i was re-watching it last night to prepare for this episode and i was sitting there going you know this could be about 18 minutes mm-hmm. instead of 28 but i think the leads are charismatic enough and they're interesting enough that because not much happens in the story right they get they get there they get it on he falls asleep. He sees a murder, wakes up. She murders him. Spoiler alert. But also <laughs> it's 30 years old and the comic is 70 years old. Right. So whatever. Um, there's not, I mean, you could, you could tell that story in like 15 minutes yeah. more efficiently, but I think it speaks to the creativity of the filmmaking and to the charisma of the actors that they had to fill a full half hour and it's doesn't, wholly feel like filler like this one went by faster than than the last episode yeah yeah absolutely and yeah. and it's and it's funny because this is also an episode where there's more of an ending to it than the original comic because they easily could have ended with amanda palmer taking a battle axe to shellen but they added an extra layer to it that i really liked and it kind of kept this creepy mystique going of like this is something that's this is a generational thing that they're just going to keep going forever is that oh i'm going to get married and then we're going to make love and then i'm going to get pregnant with a baby girl and then she's going to get married and do this just over and over again right it's such a fun little addition to this story yeah and and the idea that it's cyclical is very ec comics yeah definitely yeah that you can't escape it um the one thing i would say is a is a con for both the story and the episode is Mm -hmm. that in order to get that point across there's a lot of exposition and they give Ellen a lot of exposition to the point where it is silly even for Tales from the Crypt where he's basically just talking to the audience and saying oh my god I'm in the past she murdered her husband now she's gonna murder me (laughs) you know what I mean yeah Uh, I think that that's a little weak but at the same time it's Tales from the Crypt, so as long as you're having fun, who cares? Right. You know? Yeah, it's it doesn't, it has that additional thing where it does feel a little bit bogged down because there's so much exposition to it, but I mean it, it, Shellen is able to perform it well enough that it, it's at least entertaining to see bad exposition happen, right. whereas, you know, it's like, oh, in the previous episode there was barely any exposition because there's barely anything going on, so it kind of just drags the whole experience down for you. Mm-hmm. But here, I think uh, it, it kept the momentum going, at least. And yeah, they probably had a little bit too much dialogue for certain scenes. But I think it was able to keep the runtime at a smoother pace. Right. And again, because it's TV, they're always battling that. Mm-hmm. Run. They're always battling that time slot. And it's HBO. So I'm sure it's a little bit more lenient. But at the same time, it is impressive anytime they manage to truncate or extend narratives right for this because i mean they're ec comics stories you don't have a ton to work with you have about eight pages 
So yeah, exactly. It's you can either do a very direct adaptation and skirt along with it, or you can do something that's more of a hybrid of the two, or you just take the whole concept and throw it out the window. <laughs> right. And that's the thing is this kind of does the blend of it well, where yeah. they take a, they take a lot of the 1953 aspects of them of it and just chuck it out the door, mm-hmm. but they the basic premise, so you feel like you are watching an adaptation of the story. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I think, like I said, the reason I think I like that ending so much, that additional ending, is that it does, they did overall adapt the story pretty much in its entirety, but then they just added an additional layer to it. And I think that's why I like the ending so much, is that it took, they already did the whole story and they added something a little bit extra to it that I think just, it makes it a little funner, you know? Yeah, no, yeah. I completely, completely agree. If the, the original story, a little dry, like yeah. it, it's you see it coming from a mile away and again there's the twist isn't super twisty yeah it's how i just described it they show up blah 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 blah. oh she's a killer um (laughs) so i mean the story is a blast obviously but i think that doing something that is a little bit more modern with that story i think they did a good enough job modernizing it sure sure to the point where it's not just a b c d e tail crypt keeper ending we'll see you next week <laughs> yeah exactly yeah yeah and i think uh, what helps that too of course is just you know with Shellen, they do make him the douchebag boyfriend or the mm-hmm. douchebag husband my, my, my mistake and because of that like you said it does add more to the story um yeah. than what was there to begin with so and th- those are the best kind of adaptations um in tales from the crypt in my opinion is where they take the story and just add a little something to it right and I think one of the, I mean, one of the funniest parts of this episode is just when he's, I forget the exact line, but he's sitting there. He's like, I don't love you, but I do love your bank account. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this classic douchebag EC Comics villain. Right. <laughs> that was such a great bit. But yeah, um, yeah. I, I think this episode is definitely, like, a, like we mentioned earlier, you can definitely tell, like, this is the episode Tom Holland really was most hollandist and by that i mean he does have a bit of his own style to it um he does add a little bit more humor to the story um you can see that like through his filmography that's kind of the case where whether it's psycho 2 fright night or child's play or even thinner to a lesser extent you can kind of see um he doesn't usually take things too seriously because the stories he's doing would have been probably bad if he took it too seriously (laughs) um you know what I mean? It's like Psycho 2 even has a little bit of humor to itself and the situation it is. Right. It's it's concepts like Chucky, like Fright Night, that if you went full A24 route with it, <laughs> and I know I know that's a colloquialism and it's an oversimplification, but I'm just I'm just using it. Right. If you went full A24 with it, the concept kind of falls apart. So you have to have, I don't want to say tongue in cheek where you're making fun of it because Child's Play is a horror movie. Fright Night is a horror movie. Mm-hmm. Like they are legitimate horror movies, but they're horror movies that you could totally see or horror stories that you could totally see being done as a graphic novel. Yeah, absolutely. You know, which is really what helps them a lot because you have to, especially with something like Chucky, you have to take it just seriously enough, but not to the point where you're 
terrified of him the way you are Leatherface or Hannibal Lecter. Right, you know, right. Yeah, there, there has to be just that right amount of balance to it. And I'm not saying that like Lover Come Hack to me. I mean, it's Lover Come Hack to me. It's not like scary, <laughs> you know, nor is it supposed to be. Mm-hmm. But it's not, there's another version of this story that could be made that could just be complete comedy. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad they didn't go that route. Well, you know, um, we are talking about Amanda Plummer, who was in a fantastic comedy film called So I Married an Axe Murderer. Well, yes. <laughs> and it, it's not the same story, of course, but I do think someone had seen this episode of Tales from the Crypt and went, wow, she handles meek and absolutely batshit crazy really well. Let's get her for that. <laughs> and you know what? It worked out. It worked out wonderfully. So. But um, going, going back to Tom Holland just for mm-hmm. one moment, um, confession time. You're talking to like one of the biggest fans of the Langoliers miniseries. Oh my God, that's right. <laughs> possibly on this earth. Oh no. And I love the Langoliers miniseries. Ladies and gentlemen, so, I, I don't condone this. Yeah, so much. <laughs> on Pincho, it's fantastic. <laughs> Other actors whose names escape me at the moment. <laughs> They're all great. I love it. It's four hours long and I could watch it. Oh, Dean Stockwell. Dean Stockwell was in it. I, that's another one of those ones where it's such a silly premise, but Tom Holland takes it just seriously enough. That thing's four hours long. I could watch all four hours of it in like one sitting. You're I, a madman. I love it. <laughs> it's longer than The Irishman. And I, and I could still sit and watch it. I, the Langoliers is my Irishman. <laughs> Yes, exactly. It's Tom Holland's Irishman. That's right. But you know, it, oh I also have, I also have an affinity for abandoned public places. So the fact that they're just walking around, uh, walking around an airport the whole time. I mean, right. I'm in. I'm in. <laughs> like Dawn of the Dead. I'm not compare. Dawn of the Dead's on a different level, but like Dawn of the Dead, they're walking around an empty mall, empty airport. I'm in. You tell me a horror story with an empty public place, I'm there. <laughs> That's cinema, baby. It is. It is absolute cinema. And just like the director of The Irishman, Martin Scorsese would condone it as such. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I feel like I feel like we should find a way to communicate with Martin Scorsese. Be like, what do you think of the Langoliers? And get his genuine response of, I don't know what that is. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> well, we have to go to the next red carpet screening for yeah. Flower Moon. Yeah, we got to show up there, you know, you know, hey, like, hey, this is the matter of personal taste. We're, we're a podcast. What do you think of the Langoliers? I'm sure he'd have a very polite and very diplomatic response. He would probably be more like, why are you here? Yes, exactly. <laughs> how did, he, yeah, he'd be like, how did you get in my house? Well, since, since we're doing Tom Holland hot takes, I got, I got two for you. Ooh, let's do it. All right. Child's Play? great solid movie the sequel is better you're not you're you're not wrong yeah i I had that realization like a couple weeks ago when i was watching all the movies again like wow child's play 2 is really fucking great it's really close they're really close they're really close yeah it's the venom let there be carnage of (laughs) the child's play series yes everything the first one does it does it just a little bit slicker and a little bit more efficiently right right absolutely yeah and i mean you can't get any better than the than the climax of child's play 2 where they're fighting in the doll factory that's just 
that's just cinema. I mean, you have Chucky ripping off his own hand, <laughs> shoving a knife onto it, and then chasing. I mean, and Brad Dourif screaming. Oh my god, it's so great! Every time in it, because Chucky is in such pain, it's hilarious. One of my favorite moments in any film ever, and this is cinema, whether Scorsese says it is or not, is when they're doing the ritual in the toy factory, and Chucky realizes that he can't put his soul in in Andy's body, Mm -hmm. and he starts screaming at him, and he's like, (laughs) "You little shit!" And he's like screaming at him, and then all of a sudden, all the boxes fall on him, and Brad (laughs) Dourif is like shrill like what the hell lands on him just the idea of this doll with a serial killer soul just like being befuddled by what's happening is hysterical to me that was wonderful just that what the hell is hysterical oh my god yeah child's play 2 seriously recommend if you have not seen that movie that is wonderful the entire child's play series. I, I, yeah i should re, i should rephrase it just if you haven't seen all the child's play movies just watch all of them yes yeah just do that it's it, you'll be doing yourself a favor trust me mm-hmm. uh, even so. even the chucky ones do it all <laughs> oh yeah yeah for sure yeah do it all man what's your uh, second tom holland hot take all right this one actually benefits tom holland <clears throat> okay Tom, you can start listening now. You can start listening now. Yeah. Child's Play is a great movie, Tom. I promise. I, I love it. Um, I think Psycho 2 is better than Psycho 1, and I think it's my favorite Psycho movie. This podcast is over. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. It, I, I mean, I don't agree, but Psycho yeah. is in my top five movies of all time. Right, right. Psycho 2 is a sequel that is worthy of Psycho. That's not nothing. <laughs> like, no, that's a big part of it is like I went into it not even knowing like a few months prior that there even was a Psycho 2. <laughs> I was I was aware of Psycho in the remake. That was it. Oh, and the Bates Motel show. That was it. Then as soon as like, I don't know, Red Letter Media talks about Psycho sequels, I'm like, what? <laughs> oh, yeah, and, yeah. And then I watched and they were showing clips of Psycho 2. I'm like, this actually looks really good. And then I watched it. I'm like, oh my God, this is like, way up my alley here's the thing is like psycho one phenomenal movie i will argue obviously that it is a better made movie it totally deserves its masterpiece status i will never doubt that ever psycho two is just more my shit (laughs) sure it's it's just slashery enough it's just slashery enough where it it doesn't feel like it doesn't feel like it's disrespecting the material it's given What's great about it is it manages to take Norman Bates into the era of Jason Voorhees without betraying Norman Bates. Because Norman Norman Bates is not Freddy Krueger. He's not Jason Voorhees. He's not Michael Myers. Mm -hmm. He is a sympathetic, broken man. (laughs) And to make a movie that naturally continues his story is a feat unto itself absolutely yeah it's incredible and also you get dennis franz being yeah. the biggest asshole in yeah. the history of horror films <laughs> and getting butchered it, it's you know what here's the other thing anthony perkins performance oh my god on so the great. exact same level as the first psycho mm-hmm. he is giving it his all 
Oh yeah, 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 absolutely. I would argue even better, but I'll keep it at they're both fucking phenomenal performances from the actor. Anthony Perkins like absolutely took the role in this and just mwah, perfection. Yeah, he is and I, I don't I don't say this lightly and anybody who knows me knows that I don't say this lightly. He is the Christopher Reeve Superman of horror. Absolutely. Where there is no one, no one on the planet who's going to fit the role better than this guy. Yeah. No, like, they will never they they can do remakes and reboots of it and be totally good, but there yeah. will you you just can't do Anthony Perkins again. Exactly. And it almost gets to the point where in the same way that Christopher Reeve's Superman is almost his own cultural icon mm-hmm. outside of even being Superman in terms of like if that was the only if that you just take that movie by itself and Superman never existed before that, it would still be iconic. Yeah. Like there's there's Superman and then there's Christopher Reeve's Superman. And you almost have to kind of differentiate between the two. It's the same thing with with Norman Bates, where mm-hmm. even if the book didn't exist and if there were no sequels afterwards or you know, there was no Freddie Highmore and no Vince Vaughn, um, <laughs> no Bud Court made for TV oh, movie. Yeah. And they but um Anthony Perkins, Norman Bates is separate from norman bates the icon you know it's it's just an incredible performance and yes tom holland did a fantastic job with psycho too yeah so all this comes down to is if you have the time you have to see child's play too or all the chucky movies if you really got the time and you have to see psycho too yes and i would and i would even say check out all the psycho sequels because they're all fun yes (laughs) yes they are yeah mick harris we'd love to be on your podcast sometime (laughs) Yes, exactly. If you're <laughs> listening, please. We would love it. We would love it. Psycho 4 is great. Yeah, love no. I, have me on, please. Yes, no. Have Olivia, us on. Yeah, Olivia Hussey. It doesn't get better than that as no, normal. No, it doesn't. No, yeah. it doesn't. <laughs> uh, but, all right. Well, I think we're all good then. Yeah, no. I, after that diversion, I think we've pretty much covered Lover Come Hack to me. I think we have. Now, I think, uh, let me see. The, there weren't many um, trivia things about this one. I mean, the best one was like Amanda Plummer was also in So I Married an Axe Murderer. Um, but uh, the writer of the episode, Malcolm McDowell, uh, he co-wrote Beetlejuice. And this is the only episode he wrote of Tales from the Crypt, which is a shame because I think he did a fantastic job. But he did a bunch of episodes from Tales from the Dark Side before this. So. Oh, okay. That makes sense. Yeah. So that, that it was cool to see that blood carried over into the, the new blood of the 90s, basically. Right. Well, in in like a decade, when we finally finish going through Tales from the Crypt, we will start <laughs> Tales from the Dark Side podcast. Oh my God, that'll go even longer, man. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> we're we're set. We're set for a life on this. I know. And if we could, yeah, it, if if we could start making some money off of this, we're done. We're we're good for the rest of our lives. <laughs> oh man. Well, that's the only the real one. The only real thing I have. Uh, also the title of the story is a play on lover come back to me which is the 1928 song there you go (laughs) cool Um, yeah cool uh if you like amanda Plummer, check out her other genre movies like needful things pulp fiction of course everyone's seen pulp fiction so i don't even know why i need to recommend that and the little scene movie the prophecy with christopher walken indeed that had like sequels right (laughs) what was that that had like five sequels, right? That had like five sequels, none of which you need to see after the third one, because only the first three are Christopher Walken. 
Okay. Is the only thing that's really worth it about the series, but definitely check it out. If there's no um, walk in, I walk out. That's that's the spirit. <laughs> All right. Well, this has been a matter of personal taste. I hope you enjoyed listening to our ramblings about unrelated movies. <laughs> Yes, thank you all for coming back after last episode. <laughs> we're in peak form. Lover come back to me. Great episode. Go watch it. Exactly. And then coming up, we're we're wrapping up the uh, first season of Tales from the Crypt next next time. So. Yes, we are, and we're going to be talking about what might be my favorite episode of the first season. Mm-hmm. We'll have to see. You know, just saying. You know, old people. That's my jam. All right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody. Thanks for watching. Uh, Be sure to come back next time. Yep. Thank you for listening, and we'll catch you then. Catch you then. I've been Martin Fisher. I've been Andy Foreman. We'll talk to you all later. Bye.